0: All right, we are going to wrap up our series on political hot topics, uh, 2022 edition. And uh, we may come back to uh, things in the future, some other topics that have been brought up, uh, but hopefully we've hit some important ones this year. Um, I do want to provide in the next couple of weeks some resources, just a short kind of resource list if you want to dive deeper into any of the topics that we've talked about. Uh, It'll at least give you a place to start. Um, One resource that I'm using for a lot of the content today is this book by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert called What is the Mission of the Church? I highly recommend that as a good kind of overarching view of the topic today. Um, So that is our topic. What What is the role of the church in the world we started considering this a couple weeks ago Um, is the church meant to stand in opposition to the world is it meant to transform the world is it kind of running maybe on parallel tracks where there's not a lot of crossover we looked at two types of churches if you remember church a church b uh, one that seeks to kind of transform the world and one that um, in a sense calls people out of the world and into god's kingdom i think relevant to the conversation that we uh, should bring up at first here is the mission of god or the missio day as it's called what is god doing in the fallen world what is his overarching task right now and to answer that i'll tell you a few ways people will answer that from scripture uh, one way is that he's redeeming all creation to redeem is to pay a ransom in full so he's redeeming creation he's he's taking care of the problem of sin and death he is reconciling all things to himself or he's bringing them back into harmony everything to with himself he's restoring the earth back to its kind of edenic state of of shalom peace another way we talk about god's mission is using kingdom of god language Uh, Jesus died, rose, and ascended, and he was crowned king of the universe. His kingdom or his reign is currently on earth being contested, but God is calling people into his kingdom through the death and resurrection of his son. And when his kingdom is fully brought to bear at his return, all things will be made new or redeemed, reconciled, restored. So these are God's mission. And God actually promises that these will happen. And you can see Revelation 21 for the fulfillment of those things. So is it reasonable then to assume that our mission is the same as God's? The church, is it the same mission as God's? Are we to, as I've often heard it say, are we to partner with God in kind of remaking the world? to help bring about the end result that God intends, that God's moving towards? Do we participate in God's redemptive mission? Do we aim with God to make the world more like Eden? Do we attempt to transform the world into the kingdom of God? Are we building the kingdom? One blogger I read puts it this way, the church is the vessel through which God brings his kingdom to earth. So are we called, to carry out the mission of God? Just because God has promised that something will happen and God is working toward that, are we necessarily called also to work toward that in the same way? What's the mission of the church? Well, I would propose that we should focus, as hopefully we've been doing with all these topics, but we should focus on the task Jesus expressly gives to his followers, what we can read in the text of the Bible. There's plenty of commands that God tells us to do. There's plenty of things that we could infer, um, but maybe we should focus specifically on what he commands the church here to do by way of uh, a, a mission. So I think we have to distinguish what God between what God promises he will do and what we are called or told to do, our imperatives. Um, in his book, What is the Mission of the Church?, Uh, DeYoung and Gilbert say, one of the biggest missteps in much of the newer mission literature is an assumption that whatever God is doing in the world, this too is our task. So if the Missio Dei or the mission of God is ultimately to restore shalom and renew the whole cosmos, then we as his partners should work to the same ends. Okay, he's saying that's a big misstep. He says, "Isn't it better to locate our responsibility in the tasks we are given, rather than the, in the work that we see God accomplishing? And we trust that He will accomplish." I would add. Um, they go on to point out that there's certain things, certainly, that God sets out to do and will do that we don't partner in. For example, dying for the sins of the world, in um, the end, slaying the wicked. These aren't, we don't participate in these, though these are what God is accomplishing and setting forth to accomplish in the world. But Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So what does he send us to accomplish? I think it's by no accident that Jesus gives us mission just before he ascends to heaven. And the placement of that mission is really important. I think our most succinctly expressed mission is what we know as the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations that command that that God that Jesus gave to his followers as he's about to leave the earth he says now go and do this right doesn't that sound like a mission for us a priority for us here it is Matthew 28 18 through 20 and Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. He's just rose from the dead. So he, he is the all-powerful king, all authority God gives to him. Go therefore and make disciples, he says. There's the command of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus says, I am with you always till the end of the age. Now we know that that wasn't just a command for that small crowd that Jesus was talking to in that moment because he gives them a task that it would be impossible, literally impossible for only them to accomplish, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth or to make disciples of all nations. And we see the the church subsequently, other people after those that Jesus was talking to here, launching out into this task of making disciples all over the world in the book of Acts and beyond in scripture. So I hold to that the Great Commission is what we as the church must focus on. It's what we work to do. And Jesus is with us as we do it. So what's the role of the church in the world? That's a slightly different question than what's the church's mission. Though don't get caught up on the um, semantics there. But there's a, a two-fold role of the church in the world, as I understand it from Scripture. As we make disciples, that's our, what we're specifically focused on, we are fulfilling our role of one, gospel proclamation, and two, kingdom demonstration. Gospel proclamation and kingdom demonstration. First gospel proclamation, our role as the church in the world to proclaim the gospel. That beautiful verse in Romans 10, I love what it says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? That's a related word to our word mission. As it is written, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's those who proclaim the gospel. This is the role that we are fulfilling in the world. We are proclaimers of the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's other kind of great commission, commission passages earlier in the book of Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when will the mission be complete? It's when Christians have proclaimed the gospel to all nations. Jesus in the book of Luke, as he's explaining after his resurrection, he's explaining the Jewish scriptures. He says this, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and, listen, repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. He says, You're witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So that role of proclamation of the gospel, it officially begins when I give you the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. We're proclaimers of the gospel. That is the role of the church in the world, one of two, uh, to put it in broad categories. What is that gospel? We'll explore that a little bit later that we can all have a good uh, definition of that. Um, I think we're going to talk about that in March or so next year. Uh, But very simply, the gospel is just this, that Jesus is Savior and King. Jesus is Savior and King. And the church has a word of reconciliation to proclaim to the world. Gospel proclamation, secondly, the church's role in the world, kingdom demonstration. When Jesus tells his disciples that they will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth in Acts 1.8, he's answering their question about kingdom. They're witnesses to his death and his resurrection, but their lives also are, are to be witnesses to the present reign of Christ or to the kingdom of God. That's how we understand the kingdom of God in the New Testament, by the way, is um, or in the Bible. It's where God's reign is submitted to. That's his kingdom, wherever his reign is being submitted to. And the church is the tangible expression of the kingdom of God now. In the church, Christ is reigning. We've submitted our lives to King Jesus, right? And people can see that reign or they can see that kingdom. It's not always a kingdom like you might expect because it's not of this world, right? Um, Leslie Newbegin uh, says that the church lives in the midst of history as a, the famous saying here, as a sign, instrument, and foretaste of the reign of God or of the kingdom of God. The church is a sign instrument and foretaste of the kingdom. So by our lives as the community that's formed by Christ, the church, as people are being sanctified, being set apart, holy, we demonstrate that there is another kingdom besides the kingdom of the world that we see around us. And one day the kingdom will be restored in completely in the new heavens and the new earth. That's God's consummated kingdom. But the New Testament describes the kingdom of God right now existing in the hearts and the lives of his children, in the church, in the body of Christ. Um, It's interesting that we're called the body of Christ. Jesus talks about the presence of the kingdom of God in the gospels as being near and being at hand because he is present. And the same goes for his body, the church, so he, his kingdom is present within his body as it is present in the world. So we live our lives, the church does, under the kingship of Jesus and he's forming us into a kingdom community. And then we beckon people, we proclaim to people, hey, look and see, and we invite them to join. And you do that through the message of the cross. Another way that we can kind of think of this kingdom demonstration is that the church is an alternate society. It's an alternate society within the world that we live. There's a lot of uh, this kind of strong sense in scripture that God's people are called to Um, stand apart from the ways of the world. That's not surprising to you if you've read much of the Bible. We're not withdrawn from the world, but we are set apart from the world. The famous passage in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race. You, church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, listen to the language here, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then the next verse, Peter calls us sojourners and exiles or strangers and aliens. So as the church displays the kingdom, we're like this alternate society, submitting to King Jesus. And we're inviting people into that kingdom through our gospel proclamation. We say, here's how you enter Into the goodness of the kingdom that you're seeing exist among his people here. You do that through Jesus, the Savior and King. Uh, 1 Timothy 3 14 and 15, I think, is a relevant verse. It says, uh, Paul tells Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but as I'm writing these things to you, so that if I delay, listen to what he says, you may know, Timothy, the pastor of these churches, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God a pillar and buttress of truth the church itself is a proclamation of gospel truth because contained within it is behavior that is submitted to the reign of Christ if we try to make the world behave good luck they don't have the spirit of God, so it makes it really impossible for them. And even if they could learn to have the right behavior like us, or to live the kingdom life um, outside of Christ somehow, then how would God's people remain salt and light? Stanley Hauerwas um, explains how the church can't be a witness in the world unless it is, to some extent, separate. So that. Uh, He says the world can know it's the world and can recognize Christ in the church. He also uh, warns the church about um, congratulating itself for transforming the world, not noticing that in fact the world has tamed the church. So our role instead is to be a place set apart from the world, an alternative society that demonstrates the kingdom of God within. Well, what about the good that we are to do to those outside of the church? Shouldn't we make a positive difference to the non-Christians around us? Certainly, our good works do intersect with those around us. Paul tells The Galatians, do good to all people as you have opportunity. Now he says, especially to the household of faith, but do good to all people. The great command, love your neighbor as yourself, is followed by the question of who is my neighbor. And Jesus doesn't answer, well, your neighbor is only people in the church, but it's anyone near you who is in need, the person in need on the side of the road. Okay, love your neighbor. I like to call those good works to our neighbor, those expressions of the kingdom to those outside of the church, ministries of compassion or ministries of mercy. We care, or we ought to care, like Jesus, for everyone. Um, We should care about all hurt. We should care about all pain, everything that isn't right in the world. Of course we care about that. We want what is best for people and we act in compassion for them, like Jesus. In fact, that's the way many people are introduced to the genuine Christian community. It's important to love your neighbor as yourself, practically to do that as you see that need, even outside of the church, absolutely do that. But the goal of our intersection with the world around us is not to transform the world into the kingdom, but to call the world to leave the world and to enter the kingdom, the alternative society, where ultimately good and uh and perfection exist, and where ultimately, when that kingdom is consummated, um, the 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 suffering around us is is no longer existing. So, should a church prioritize ministries of compassion? I think that that's a good question. I think it's a question of priorities, right? Um, I want to remind you, I, I think I said this last week to to both Lenore City and LA or two weeks ago, um, we're asking what is the church's role in the world? We're not asking what is everything that we should do as Christians, but what are we specifically sent to do? I mentioned that quote from Stephen Neal, if everything is mission, then nothing is mission. But mission suggests there's a A task to be accomplished, as opposed to all the tasks that could be accomplished. And so by saying there's something of utmost importance doesn't mean that other things are unimportant. And there are some people, there are some really great people whom I love and throughout history who have placed discipleship, making disciples through gospel proclamation and kingdom demonstration alongside of social responsibility or or helping everyone around us. They place them kind of on the same playing field, two wings of a plane, if you will. I would suggest that the role of the church in the world is proclamation and demonstration over transformation. And by that, I mean the, the demonstration of the kingdom of God within the church and the proclamation of how one can enter that kingdom is our unique Spirit-empowered mission more than the transformation of the world around us. I'll say that again. The demonstration of the kingdom of God within the church and a proclamation of how one can enter that kingdom is our unique Spirit-empowered mission more than the transformation of the world around us. That God will ultimately do. So if you're ever at a crossroads where you can either proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the kingdom or transform the world by making it a better place by all means proclaim and demonstrate and it might sound kind of cold-hearted right um we're just supposed to focus on living and proclaiming the beauty of the kingdom of god as experienced in the church at the cost of missed opportunities uh to, to meet needs and make things better outside of the church but even jesus himself in his ministry says something kind of like that. In Mark chapter 1, verse 36 through 38, says this, and Simon and those who were with him searched for Jesus. This is after Jesus kind of splashes on the scene with lots of healings and demon exorcisms, and the whole city of Capernaum is coming to Jesus. Verse 37, and they found Jesus and said to him, everyone's looking for you. Like, Jesus, there's there's lots of hurting people around. There's lots going on all around us. What are you going to do about that? And he said to them, this is kind of shocking, but he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. That's my mission. That is why I was sent here, that I can preach the kingdom of heaven. I can preach the gospel, not just so that I can solve people's temporary problems. Does Jesus have compassion on all the hurting people around him in Capernaum? Of course he does. The very next section in the book of Mark talks about how he heals a man with leprosy because uh, he was moved with pity, it says. But was that his specific mission? Well, not precisely. It's good. It's right. It's an outflow of who God is. It shows the glory of God. And we who are becoming like Christ should have, excuse me, should have compassion on our neighbors. Absolutely, that should be the case. If we don't, we're breaking the great commandment. We're sinning by not loving our neighbor as ourself. But how can you most love someone? You can tell them the good news of the kingdom of god and you can point to your life and the life of the church as evidence of that kingdom and you can pray that they too may enter the kingdom through faith in the savior and king jesus even more than fixing their problems because one day god will fix all of the problems now is our opportunity to begin to enter into that kingdom by putting our faith in him now i just want to say this i might be wrong uh, my priorities might be wrong on this, but I want to tell you that I am convinced of what I've said, and I hope that I am showing you that it's, it's something to be convinced of from scripture. One, some things that I cannot find in scripture, and I want to say this humbly, please correct me, um, but we aren't ever told, Christians aren't ever told to transform the world. We're called to be transformed ourselves by God. Christians are never called to redeem anything. We're called to proclaim the one who has provided redemption at the cross. We're never told to build the kingdom on earth. His kingdom isn't of this world. So I don't think it's the church's role to attempt to make the world more like the kingdom of God. The closest thing I can find to that, a couple of verses, Luke 13 talks about the spread of the kingdom like leaven in dough, right? But I think we have to ask what is actually spreading? Is it a shell of kingdom life that we kind of finagle the world into or is it actual submission to the king? Is it the actual kingdom reign of Christ or is it just what kind of looks like that to the best of our ability? And then the Jeremiah 29 passage, we talked a little bit about it, I, I believe, in, in both of our churches last week, um, but very popular passage for those that think in a, in a different way than, than I do and our churches do on this topic. Um, they bring up Jeremiah 29, specifically verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city. Where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare, which sounds like try to make the city a better place to live. That's what God wants. Um, As I've said, and I hope it's been clear, there's nothing wrong with in compassion, desiring the welfare for all people desiring good, a a good life and, and pursuing that and trying to help in that way. But to draw a culture transformation theology out of this one Old Testament verse is really a stretch. The Lord, in context, you see he's giving command in in response to the false prophets who are saying, hey, the exile is going to be short. Instead, God's saying, no, 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 you're going to be here for a while. So go ahead and settle in and make your life better by seeking the welfare of the city. Also, he's not saying to seek the welfare of the city because they're bringing God's kingdom to Babylon somehow. He's actually promising them that they're going to return back to the land of Israel and they'll actually leave Babylon to its own ways. But there are passages like these and and others that genuine smart Christians take to mean that we should work towards building God's kingdom everywhere on earth, or that we are partners in the mission of God to kind of redeem and reconcile and restore all things. Because we would agree that caring about the practical needs of the world around us is something that we as Christians should do if we're becoming like Christ, then I find great unity with these Christians and with these churches. I would never say that a church is doing something wrong by trying to have a positive influence on the community around them, or that, that God doesn't care about the hurting world around them. Of course he does, of course those are good things to do. I think I'm wanting to say and suggest for the purpose of our topic here, what is the church's role? It's a matter of priority. Um, In the book, again, DeYoung and Gilbert uh, say that we want the church to remember that there is something worse than death and there is something better than human flourishing. If we only hope for renewed cities and restored bodies, we of all people are most to be pitied. And then one more thing from from that book, um, they talk about how in the book of Acts in the beginning of the church, they say this, if you're looking for a picture of the early church giving itself to creation care, plans for societal renewal, strategies to serve the community in Jesus' name, you won't find them there. But instead, DeYoung would point out, the the way Acts describes the first missionary efforts is like this. New converts through evangelism, that proclamation of the gospel, nurtured churches or discipleship, and new communities through church planting. Okay. But it's not about how can we try to make society look more like the kingdom of God. It's how can we help people to see their need to bow their knee to the king and then begin to live in this new and set apart community called the church. And I agree with these authors that I don't think we see any evidence in the New Testament. I try to say this humbly, but any evidence that the early church made any efforts whatsoever to transform the social structures of the Roman world around them. Instead, they focused on being transformed themselves, that kingdom demonstration among themselves. And and then they called people into that transformation through gospel proclamation. Here's how you enter into this good kingdom. We have had people leave our church uh, specifically back at at NoHo Church, because they didn't feel like we were involved enough in social action to help the world. We're not teaming up enough together, they would say, to, to, to care for the broken world. And they may be right. Um, we may have missed opportunities to do that. And if they are right, then I take a lot of responsibility for that. Um, as, as an elder of the church at that time, uh, that's on me. That's that's the way that I led, and I would say that's probably why I struggle in some ways with this topic so much. Man, it's been it's been a rough few weeks trying to to understand what to communicate, to look clearly into Scripture, and just say here's here's where our role is, and it, it means I'm disagreeing with some other really great followers of Jesus. Um, but what I don't want to be responsible for is failing to. Prod us toward the clear mission of making disciples of Jesus and fulfilling our role, our clear role in the world of gospel proclamation and kingdom demonstration. Because I believe that's our priority. The church can spend a lot of time trying to make the world a better place, but are we making disciples? Our mission, local church fellowship, our churches, local church of Lenore City, local church of LA, is that we are commissioned and empowered by Jesus to make disciples of all nations in partnership with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't hear me wrong. We should serve the world around us in lavish, supernatural compassion. We should care that they hurt. We should do something about it because we wanna be like Jesus in our expression of care for people. I actually wanna talk more about how we can do that in our churches, how we can practically help those outside the church. I think it's a natural outflow of God's spirit in our lives. It overflows into the world around us. We can't help but to love our neighbor because we love God. And some of you may be wondering, well, why don't we do more? And if you have a passion to help people in particular ways, then I want to say, go for it. And how can we support you in that? But I am most concerned that we, as a priority, are engaged in making disciples of Jesus. And in so doing, we're fulfilling our primary role. Can somebody be a part of our church? Our churches, if they um, believe we are responsible for bringing the kingdom to bear through partnering with God to kind of remake the world? Sure, as long as we are in agreement that redemption, true redemption, ultimate redemption comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And apart from him, there is no hope of the kingdom of God whatsoever. So our straightforward mission as our churches is to make disciples. And just to say a word to kind of wrap up the series here, I think we live in a really exciting time. Uh, what's so exciting about this time? Shouldn't we um, at, we're, we see some moral decline in America, right, and around the world? Shouldn't we want to reclaim what Christianity once was in in America? I don't know. Seventy years ago, the question of "Are you a Christian?" was kind of a a, a blurry thing, right, all the way back since the time of Constantine. But now, in post christendom the light of the gospel can actually shine clearly. And I agree with Stanley Hauerwas that the more the world is revealed as the world and the church is revealed as the church, the better positioned we are to accomplish our mission of inviting people into God's kingdom.